0: Social life, it's the Terran show. The Terran Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know, cause it's a Terran show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Terran show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Terran Show. Uh back from uh from a week out. we had a very interesting and uh intense conversation with uh with Lita last week but uh today I have brought you uh a very fun guest this is uh I'm, I'm so excited to to be talking to this man uh it's Matt Eisman uh a a doctor a comedian a host uh the winner of Celebrity Apprentice uh, uh I mean the, the accolades are there's too many how you doing Matt
1: well and hey let's say I'm not just fun this could be intense as well Taryn. <laughs> I I don't want to undersell what could go down here. I'm very spirited. Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, Which, although to that end, I do want to issue an apology to the the Rob Has a Podcast fans. I know I was supposed to come on to talk big brother. and People were upset (laughs) that I missed it. And I apologize. I felt terrible. But literally, I'm a godfather. My house was filled with 50 people, 35 of whom were my goddaughter's uh friends running around the house these six to ten year old kids (laughs) and i was just trying to make sure everything wasn't destroyed so i I was behind it was my my stupidity for thinking a party would last three (laughs) hours instead of the seven that it did last yeah um i felt like i was trapped inside the big brother house like with josh (laughs) going around going you played yourself meatball
0: Well, you know, you, you did play yourself. Uh, yeah, I did. I um, did. No, uh, it's uh, you know <laughs> these uh, these live shows for Big Brother. They are uh, it happens. You know, you're not always able to uh, to make the uh, the show. It's much easier. I this know. podcast, you know, we can do it whenever we want. Much we easier. can do it whenever we yeah. want.
1: It is. It's uh, but it's been fun. It's 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 always great. I think reality TV has become a great uh, discussion point, and especially something like Big Brother where it is happening real time. And because of the live feeds, I think you can have such a such a dynamic interaction online. I think that's been one of the secrets that Big Brother has that, that a lot of other regular reality shows, including even American Ninja Warrior. This is why I'm not a ninja. I'm choking on smoothie. The fact that there's such real-time discussion and the results aren't known. So uh, I think Big Brother really has such a, an excellent formula that puts the producers under the gun. But Kermit's in my <laughs> Uh, but it, but for me, it makes it so much fun to have the interaction, to have the real time play analysis without anyone knowing what's actually going to happen, and to see the the uh, live feeds. But I think reality TV, as scripted, has as well. But it's it's form it's formed such a vibrant, passionate community. And as someone who's played in a game and then hosted a show. Uh, I love it. I love, I live tweet. We just had the finale of American Ninja Warrior last night and I was live tweeting it and it's great to hear people for the most part, it's positive feedback, but as with anything, you'll get the negatives and sometimes like, you know what? That's a really good point. And other times you're like, um, mute. mute. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think you're really saying anything productive here, but it's, uh, it's fun. And I love, I love that, you know, podcasts, uh, like, like yours, Rob, what you guys have built together, out of pure fandom, you've created your own entertaining show out of it just by being so passionate and knowledgeable and, and entertaining.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so much fun. And, and you know, uh, we, we've we had listeners even just recently just, like, uh, you know, talk about how much they appreciate, like, being able to, you know, listen to people who are talking about this because this community is so fun. You know, as, as destructive as the, like, Big Brother community or maybe right. reality TV community in general can be, I think there's also a huge uh, positive to the community Connection that you can form uh, from watching this stuff, and it is—it is, I think, a little bit different from uh, from a scripted thing because it it really is, uh, you know, for as as fake as people want to say that reality TV sometimes is, it's real life, and anything can happen, you know. Like yes. somebody doesn't win American Ninja Warrior every season, and uh, your right. favorite isn't always going to win Big Brother, but that's part of what makes it so exciting and so uh, connecting. I think
1: I, it is, and to have your passionate opinions and to discuss them and. And to feel that there is an answer, and yet you can always say, well, I would have been right if Cody hadn't had to nominate five people (laughs) in his first HOH and mid-sabotage, he would have won. Yeah. And it is one of those things, though. I think we always have, we always... There are so many variables at play. And what's interesting, too, if you're a live feeder, you see a little bit more, and that is not to say that I think they edit the show unfavorably or, or in a manipulative way. The reality is... And it's the same thing with Ninja Warrior. People will say... We want to see every run and, you know, we're shooting for nine hours a night and we have an hour and 30 minutes roughly to to show runs and you just you simply can't show Everything and the editing decisions have to be made. And some people, it's funny. I look at it as sports broadcasters, where a lot of times a guy like Joe Buck on Fox, they'll say he could be calling a game, and it's Green Bay versus Dallas. The Green Bay fans say you you love Dallas, and the Dallas fans say you love Green Bay. And I think people just have their biases, and anything that goes against them, they feel you're betraying them. And I think it's it's really fun uh, to be invested in a show. And then to also try to step back and be objective and hear other people's points of views. And then really, though, the, what I love is just how passionate people get about these reality shows.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, even a season like this, that I think a lot of uh, like this season of Big Brother, where a lot of people have been uh, somewhat disappointed in the the gameplay. Uh, it's There's still a level of passion that's just always there. And I think that's uh, so important. And it's
1: because of what you said. Anything could still happen like we felt yeah. a couple of weeks ago we felt like Josh could make the move <laughs> this could be where he goes over to Alex maybe to Kevin and even to Christmas who I who I think was was never going to turn but just say guys, look w- none of us can beat Paul, but together maybe we just say if we all get rid of Paul then it's just us against us, and at least one of us has a chance to win I thought that could have been a speech where it would have bridged any differences they had and just said. either we're playing for 50k or we take our shot now and they didn't and so it's but it was it was was interesting to see it kind of happening and i thought i appreciate the players speaking to camera not in dr but just in the room kind of filling us in and letting us know their hints but in a way it was just a tease because nobody did anything (laughs) so when did you uh when did you get into big brother i got into big brother season 14 and the reason was uh, one of my best friends, who's who was a producer on American Ninja Warrior, we wrapped our season, um, in in June, and he he went right over to Big Brother actually in the middle of the season, and he said, uh, you know, I, I'll always support a friend, and I said, listen, I'm gonna watch an episode of this show as a favor to you <laughs> by the end of it, and this was season 14 where they had the coaches, you know, Dan and Boogie and Janelle and Brittany and. And by the end of that episode, I think I texted him 57 times just, you know, commenting on the people. And I just the thing I loved about it was to me, it was such a great sociological experiment of taking these people, isolating them and just kind of putting them back, shaking it up, but then just letting human nature take its course. And I just think you couldn't do that. I mean, you know, having been in medicine, the the prospect of trying to get 16 people to stay live in a house 90 days completely isolated like you couldn't afford it only a tv show with half a million dollars would people sign up for this and and that to me is one of the most fascinating elements I love reality tv and I love watching people the mind games and watching them really the internal mind games where they just I thought Vanessa Russo was a prime example where she had the skills and I think was in position to win this and simply couldn't handle the pressure and couldn't keep her mind straight in the same way a Derek or a Dan did, uh, and ended up just missing. Uh, I think the moves that could have saved her.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, um, they they recently announced a celebrity edition of Big Brother. Did, yes. did your ears
1: perk up when you heard about this? So what's funny is I was at the episode just before. I was watching the the eviction um, when Matt went out. Which, by the way, we were all biting our tongue when he's like, <laughs> "I think Raven's a great player." I'm like, what? Are you <laughs> kidding? Dude, you're deluded. <laughs> uh, and two, and to, a lot of people ask that. They say boo them, and and one of the things they tell you, which I did respect and appreciate, is they're like, regardless of how you feel about this player, respect the game. Don't boo them, don't, and don't do anything that might give them a clue as to what's going on. So the audience, while people at home are saying, I would yell that. You know, you you don't want you don't want to be the person who upsets the balance of the game or who. Is somehow is some external influence. And you also do as, as, as poorly as I thought Matt played at the same time. He was in the Big Brother house. I'm there as Julie Chen's guest. You be polite. So that's why we weren't laughing and booing. <laughs> um, but when they said the celebrity version, I was definitely, I was definitely intrigued. But I've, I've said, um, having done Celebrity Apprentice, where you know we were there from 7am till 9pm but we would had nights off they put us up at a ritz carlton and because it was the celeb version you weren't isolated you know it wasn't the same like the original apprentice they it was the same thing where they would put them in trump tower and they were locked together We would have Sundays off, and I think those breaks made it so much easier. The thought of going in to the Celebrity Big Brother house and honestly knowing the people that are probably going to get in there, (laughs) knowing they want some wild cards, I don't think it would end well for me. So uh, unless CBS makes some big offer. And I also think NBC might be a little upset if I went over to a rival channel. Particularly, I think it's going to air during the Olympics. So most likely, I'll be watching every second of the Olympics, but maybe live feeding a little of the Celebrity Big Brother as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yes, sounds good. Uh, do, you, do you hold out hope that like, maybe someday you will, you'll find
1: the time or you'll, you'll be able to, uh, to play this game? No, never. I, I have no desire to play Big Brother. That's why <laughs> I love watching it so much. I think it is such a psychological battle, and I thought, you know, like going into this season, Megan was one of my picks. As someone who had the military training and who was an interrogator, I thought she had the makings of a Derek about her. And you see the pressure of this show and I'm just someone who I think is <clears throat> I tend to be a very positive person I'm a collaborative person apprentice was easier in the fact that we tended to have tasks and be a team where we could collaborate together that really kind of prevented the backstabbing until or limited it to the boardroom I feel like in Big Brother you have to have your head on a swivel 24/7 and yet be able to tone down the paranoia so you're not sabotaging yourself so you're not going around like Ramsay's going from room to room to room to room to room and just annoying people and making people think well what are you planning and I think there's, there's just a long form, I'm a more checkers guy I think do you really have to be playing chess to go into this and have the ability I think to remember the lies, to be judicious with your lies, I mean Paul has amazed me in that he has lied to everybody and pulled it off and largely kept them straight, and they believe him, and even when they get suspicious, he still just kind of stares them in the eyes and is like, "Well, you got a better plan <laughs> uh, so I don't think i i don't know would you go in
0: uh you know i'd I'd love to play the game my 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 issue is uh, I don't want to be on live feeds twenty four seven
1: right yeah, I mean that is scary when you think about like even on apprentice, there were times where I thought, did I just say something that could end my career i don't right think I, I mean maybe I did maybe and and we're seeing it and and You know, there were lots of examples this season and obviously in past seasons where you're there for 90 days with nothing to do but talk. And inevitably, you're going to have conversations turn to things that are, people might say, inappropriate, particularly when there's no context given. And that's something, you know, as a comedian, I'm, I'm a big proponent of free speech and people being able to say what they say. Obviously, there can be consequences, but I always believe we should encourage people to speak their mind and 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 have these discussions. And and especially for me, when there's people are trying to make a joke or or there's some comedic element to it. Even if it's delivered poorly, I always want to say, well, it, you know, I, I don't feel that this intent was malicious. Maybe they could be educated as to why that topic wasn't appropriate. But to see the, I mean, just people getting crucified online for... And, and I also feel that, you know, one person gets attacked and people who are fans of that person say, well, let me find something of this other person that that is inappropriate. And and uh, it just becomes this thing where you you find people saying things that we, you know... They volunteered to go into that house and to be on camera 24 seven. And that, that is just a, uh, that is a huge, a huge responsibility to monitor your words that carefully for such a long time, particularly when you get fired up. I mean, I just, even watching Josh, you know, with the pots and pans come at Mark, that was a point where I'm like, like, I get what you're doing, but when you start smashing These multi-pound steel pans in a guy's face, that is a visceral. He's you're you're promoting a visceral. I was amazed Mark didn't punch him. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, like I get the psychological elements of the game, but you can't like try to induce someone to punch you. I think that I love people who play the mind games or, you know, Paul does a little bit of bullying and you might not like it, but but I think he gets the psychological elements of of getting into it. And that's, you know, that's one of the other things too that I think we enjoy as fans with reality television is watching people be in situations we ourselves don't want to be in. And sometimes seeing things that we don't agree with or we don't find pleasant, but it's interesting to see how other people handle these difficult situations or see how they handle betrayal. You know, Cody stomping out over the glass table or even Jason not hugging Alex in the moment. And think, what would you do? You know, would you just you know, yell at everyone, curse, walk out, smash things? Or would you be like, you know what? It's just a game, handshakes all around. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine when you're in that emotional a a situation and you really, and the reality is, I mean, Jason was kind of blindsided, but, but for the most part, I think everyone's known what's coming this year.
0: Well, you'd think, uh, <laughs> um, certainly, uh, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, being a doctor, that's part of, uh, like, you know, how you enjoy, uh, watching the mind games. Uh, you, I mean, you are now a you know, comedian, a host, um, but you, you started as a doctor. How did that come about? Did you always want to be a doctor?
1: No, I think it was, um, more, it, it suited my, my, my set. Gr- growing up. I think I was really good at science. And I liked people. My dad was a doctor, and he didn't pressure me into medicine. But I felt like on paper it was the perfect career. Like you go into something you're good at, helping people. Um, medicine is a noble profession, and I, and I felt like it was something I could do. And, and and there was also the degree of people respect that as a career choice when you're kind of lost. Like it's, you know, a little scary to say, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll take a year and go ski and people are like, you, you're you graduating from college. You're going to go, you know, you're going to go be uh travel the world in a van or so you should make something of yourself. And when you tell people I'm going to be a doctor, people are like, ah, oh, okay, I, I respect that. So there was a little bit, I think also of this was a great convenient answer. It felt good. It felt right. And then as I got into it, I realized medicine isn't a job. It really is. Uh, a calling that you have people's lives in your hands and it's such a tremendous responsibility and it was one of those things when I left the hospital and I just remember feeling like I I, I would leave and I didn't want to think about coming back and I didn't want to think about my patients and I just fe- I felt guilty I felt guilty that I wasn't you know, Marcus Welby or, or Dr. McDreamy going, I'm going to find an answer for this person (laughs) that instead I'm like, I want to go ski. I want to go have a beer with my friends. I want to go lead a life. And it was just this, this terrible guilt that I felt that I wasn't as committed to being a doctor as I felt I should be. And so that's kind of what instigated me. I I decided I needed to take a year off and kind of reevaluate and see if this thing that on paper was good for me, but in reality, I, I, I just, I wasn't passionate about it. And that's, kind of when I decided, I'll take a year. And I thought I did stand up a couple times and I just thought this is the complete opposite. I'm going to clear my mind and hopefully, you know, have some epiphany and then come, you know, my thought was I'll wake up and realize how fortunate I am to be in medicine and have the chance to help people. Instead, after about three weeks of being on stage, I was like, I love an audience. I love performing. And it was just one of those things where I realized uh, pretty quickly and I'm like, I'm never going back. But I don't regret doing medicine. I think it gave me such a perspective because coming into Hollywood, this is a business of no. And you get told no 99 times out of 100. And especially when you're starting out, you get told no. You get told, what are you doing? You have no business being in this. And you have to have such a passion and such a confidence. And for me, having having done medicine felt like an accomplishment where I'd done something. So I I had a sense of self-worth. And I also had a sense of perspective of... I've seen people die. I've, I've, I've watched li- real life or death situations. This is not that. This is entertainment. And so when someone told me no, it would sting. But at the same time, I'm like, what I'm doing is fun. This is great. And so I really, I think it helped me come out here with a really positive attitude and a willingness to embrace failure and just to stumble through it and to appreciate how lucky I am now to be doing what I'm doing. Well I mean so
0: I mean you you came to to LA uh, to be a comedian um that I mean did were you scared of that decision I mean you said you you felt like you would go nah, back Yeah it-, it
1: was it was cuz honestly I think I was so relieved to have told my parents that I was thinking of of leaving medicine and 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 taking off this mantle of kind of what I should be or the expectations of the correct life and taking it off. I, I just had this lightness of being coming out here that I probably should have been more scared that it was a bad idea to come out here having done stand up like six times and to come to one of the most competitive markets and to not really be good. And probably a lot of people saw me and go, what do you do? go back to medicine. But I didn't care because I was just like, I, I, I also had a confidence of, I know I'm going to work my ass off. I know I'm going to get better. And deep down, I believe, like I felt it on stage. I felt this was where I was, I meant to be. I felt this comfort up there. And even when I wasn't getting laughs, I'm like, they will I'll get the laughs. I'll figure out how to, because I know i i I believe I'm funny and I believe I can relate to people. And I believe I have an enthusiasm up there. And so it was just this unshakable confidence I had that something will come of this. And I think... You know, when, when I talk to people who come out here, it's it's you, you have to have a belief in yourself because you see so many people who are far more talented than so many people who are currently on TV or movies, but who can't take year after year uh, of rejection and who pack it up when it doesn't happen after a year or two or three or five. And you have to be committed to this journey because I really believe like in stand up, I think it's a good seven to 10 years before you're Really comfortable and ha- and have a perspective and a voice, and and so if you're not willing to go on that journey and enjoy that journey, it's going to be a long ride. So I, I think for people, you know, come out here and success is kind of uh, an unintended byproduct of something like I, I've 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 been more successful than I thought I would, and and I'm you know obviously hoping for more, but more importantly, I love what I do. I love working on American Ninja Warrior. I love being on Celebrity Apprentice. Stand-up is the best. I go on the Hallmark Home and Family Show. Like when I go to work, it's not work. I tell people, Hollywood, the work we do is getting a job. It's when you're unemployed, when you don't have a job and you have to wake up and go, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? And to get out and to go hustle and to try to get better. So when you get your opportunity, you're ready. That's the work. But when we get to do our jobs or we're doing a podcast or something, it's a blast, This is fun. We're just BS. This is what we would do with our friends.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I talked to, uh, to Eric Stein from, uh, from big brother eight, America's player. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's, that's a oh, lot. I more... saw he's
1: like, it was 10 years. And they still haven't invited me back. I was like, Yeah oh, boy, I yeah, love the passion. Um, yeah. He,
0: uh, I mean, he's, he's talked about that as well, where like, um, you know, it took him a long time to sort of, uh, get to a place where he felt like, uh, I mean, he's now trying to, uh, create his own reality shows. Um, essentially he's, he's, he's workshopping yeah. ideas. He's, uh, he's selling them out. Um, and, uh, you know, it, for him, that is—that's uh, what he loves doing. And even if he's not successful with it, he was like, uh, "This is this is—it's worth it. It's worth it to try." Um, and it's—it's. It's, I mean, that's sort of what I'm doing as well with like the, the podcasting. Like, I—I'm I, a video producer, but I, I quit my job, um, and and I'm, I'm focusing on this and. I think that, um, you know, it is, it's scary for me. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue doing this, but I know that like doing right. this makes me so happy and it doesn't feel like work, even though I am working like all day, every day. Right. And so it's, it's so, it's so great to hear from people like you who like, you know, you, I mean, you were a doctor and you decided to go be a comedian and, uh, and it sounds like you felt the same way where it was just like, it didn't matter whether or not you reached success. You're just doing the thing that you loved. And that's, I- that's what, Yeah, I
1: I could easily have stayed a doctor and probably had a very comfortable living and never worried about the future, but been deep down, deeply unsatisfied. And I would much rather be out here and things are great now. But look, we understand the reality of of television. American Ninja Warrior is great, you know, a year or two. Everything ends. And to be in a profession where you're like, you're like, a just getting a show on the air is a home run. Let alone having it last a season. Let alone multiple seasons. And you know there, there there's a there's a plus and a minus right now in the business. The 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 plus is there are so many more outlets than ever before that you can literally have a computer, put a podcast out, and find an audience. But because there are so many outlets, it's harder to stand out. And what we're seeing is the compensation is dwindling. It's much harder. There's much more money involved, but it's spread out amongst so many more people. So it used to be if you were on a network show, you know, there was one of four shows that would be on on a night or something. You you could make the life-changing money. And now you make a good living, but you're like, you need to find the next thing. And for people who are doing shows on... Hulu or FX, unless it's The Hand Handmaid's Tale. A lot of these people are like, "Okay, I'm I'm making it up to stay alive this year, but I gotta I gotta keep the show on the air. I gotta keep going." And so it's it's an interesting conundrum of we have so many more opportunities, but at the same time, you have to figure out on your own. It used to be my show gets on the air, there's going to be an audience because there's nothing else to watch. And now you see it. You see how from week to week or a, a a show on Netflix that they work nine months on, they put it out. People binge watch it in eight days. And they're like, now what? What, what am I going to? I, I got to wait a year and a half. And then when your show comes back, will people watch it again? I think it's, it's a really interesting time as we're watching the shift in entertainment go from traditional broadcast to digital to who knows what's next with augmented reality. What's it going to be? But the opportunities are there. And I always tell people nothing happens sitting on the couch. And for you, like you said, you don't know if you're going to keep doing this podcast. It's it's almost immaterial. Like the, the, the amount of learning you've done being in front of a microphone, uh, producing this, whatever project you go to next, you will bring such a wealth of experience that you never would have had, had you simply either stayed in video editing or had you simply said i'm gonna wait for someone else to call me on a podcast and i always look at people who say you know i i've done these three shows and nothing came of it it's like look you, you odds are you made connections odds are you had incredible experience because i look at it i've done so many shows and that you know didn't didn't resonate or didn't get big and then a couple that have had a lot of success but were very small and so then when you get an opportunity like uh, American Ninja Warrior, or I go on Celebrity Apprentice. I kind of felt like there's nothing they can throw at me that I haven't done. There, there's no situation where I'm going to be having to talk to a group or pitch a group or be funny or work hard. I, I feel like all the work you do pays off in the end. in In your learning, if you're really learning and paying attention, and kind of when you when you have a stumble, instead of crying, going, "Well, what did I learn from it? What did I do wrong? what What can I what can I gain from this?" Do you find that you are
0: in a position or maybe you used to be in a position where you were kind of always looking for what's the next thing? Like, how do I keep myself afloat? I,
1: I, the funny thing is, and like, I, I feel like my career has never been better now. And I feel more pressure than ever, I think, to find the next thing because I see I, I, I kind of feel like you get a certain there are always more opportunities. And I never want to tell people, like, you know, you blew it. You blew your one shot. Nobody ever gets one shot. Even if it was, you know, what? John Cryer supposedly turned down the role of Chandler Bing and Friends and was devastated, but he gets two and a half men or whatever. There are always going to be other opportunities. And to feel like I blew my one shot, that's never the case. Um, but, you know, you also know, like right now... I I think work begets work and between American Ninja Warrior and Celebrity Apprentice is already, it's already fading. It wasn't as big as we hoped it would be and you know, I'm doing the Hallmark channel and comedy, but I'm always aware of, I, I am looking for things while people are interested in me because while you're on TV, people seem to like you, but you go off TV, people forget about you awfully quickly and then you kind of become, well, that, that was last year's flavor. So there really is a sense of, of and believe me, I will say this, I am working my ass off to maintain American Ninja Warrior and I will stay with it until the wheels fall off and the horse is dead and I am still crawling through the sand. I love the show. It's been amazing to me, Um, but it really gives me, it's, you know, we're, we're shooting 17 days out of the year. So there's a lot of opportunity to try to find the next thing and hopefully with NBC. And so, you know, I'm trying to come up with concepts. You're always taking meetings um, and trying to figure out what is that next thing. And I think that's a healthy, it's a healthy mode. Because the other thing is you never want to feel like I'm good, I'm set. And then have your legs cut out and go, oh my God, what do I do? So whatever I'm doing, I always assume it's the last year. And I always... Every project, I'm always looking to say, how can I add as much value as possible? Because I've been on plenty of shows, virtually every show I've been on, I've seen people replaced and people who thought they were irreplaceable got replaced and the show might not have done as well, but for the most part, there are very few people who can't be replaced. So I think a good secret is try to make yourself as irreplaceable as possible be a value add be someone who's positive professional you know you don't quibble over little things. stand up for yourself when you need to and when it's a big battle dig your heels in but at the same time no know your value and 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 be prepared when you really dig your heels in be prepared for them to say no and don't don't call the bluff if if you're not if you don't want to hear them say fine we're doing the show without you and that's, that's uh, you know, that's, that's the ultimate gamble. And you see it. I mean, Nick Cannon on America's Got Talent. I think he was really upset with NBC and he thought that the show was not going to move on without him. And they put Tyra Banks in and the show hasn't missed a beat. And, you know, Nick may feel, he may feel morally he had to do it. And I'm sure financially he's fine. But there is a certain amount of pride, you know, we all have where you feel like this show couldn't survive without me. Most shows, you know, I, I, it's hard to think of it. When when Charlie Sheen leaves Two and a Half Men and they put Ashton Kutcher on and the ratings dip, but the show goes on, the number one star on the number one sitcom and the show goes on, I think that sent a message to everybody about, you know, be real about how much value you add. And that's why if you can create a show, if you can own it, if you can be an executive producer on it, you have a lot more say, you have a lot more upside but strictly as talent, I think it's always key then to say, "How am I going to add value? How am I going to make myself as indispensable as possible? How can I line this up to get that next project and make people want to work with me?"
0: Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I think it would be easy for someone like you to, uh, to to sort of put on the brakes and be like, "You know what? Look, like, well, look where I've gotten. Like, you were at the Emmys uh, a couple nights ago um, with like with with American Ninja Warrior, and um, you've come so far." and from being a doctor to now you're like winning celebrity apprentice. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I think inspiring to hear that you uh, you're
1: not letting like that get
0: to you and you're, you well, are going to just continue. Absolutely. I mean,
1: celebrity apprentice was a great lesson because when, when we started out shooting on that, there was a buzz and NBC was like, listen, we're rebranding the show and we're relaunching it because this has been a 14 season powerhouse for us. And we need, we know this season, if it does well, could mean another 14 seasons of reality TV. So we all got the sense it was fortunate to be there. We knew they were really gonna push it. And then obviously circumstances beyond the beyond our control come into play and the show gets politicized. And it was just this lesson of, it was supposed to air in September, they push it, they were gonna air it. and so then they go to January and then they started doubling up episodes. And you just got the sense NBC was was feeling like this is a political hot potato and we're gonna put it out there, but it's not gonna be the push. It's not gonna be the show we were hoping. And and I think it you know, it's a lesson of don't count your chickens before they hats. I did an ad campaign for I'm looking for I don't know if I have it in here. For uh, a cell phone company where literally they made me a suit, uh, Stan Winston, who did Alien, Predator, like a $100,000 superhero suit. We shot four commercials. They're like, you're going to be the voice of this. You're going to be on billboards. You're going to be on ringtones. You're going to be the Can You Hear Me Now for Net 10. You are going to be huge. About three weeks before the campaign was due to launch, the brand fired their advertising company, and completely retooled the ad. One ad aired one time. And that was an early lesson in, you know, I mean, really Until that show's on the air, really until people are watching it, until you get a season pickup, like you really, you know, your, your, your work isn't done. Don't, don't, don't relax. Don't assume that, that things are, are cashed in. And I'm sure, you know, for people who win reality shows, Celebrity Apprentice, I mean, Dancing with the Stars, I think some people, you know, Cameron Matheson had a nice boost, but, but of the Big Brother winners, uh, you know, most of them, I think Evil Dick is known as a Big Brother winner. Uh, Mr. Pectacular, Jesse has done well kind of acting, but but not a lot of them. Dan, Derek has done, I guess, a little bit with, with the ID, but more as, as the cop. You look at these reality TV shows, so many of them, I think people feel there's going to be this lasting fame. And, you know, the same can be said for the people who host the shows or the people who act in shows where people's uh, attention span is shorter than ever. So, you know, really... Working your ass off and being, being prepared to, to keep working, I think, is the, the key. And, and, and I say that, enjoy it, too. Like, in, in, you know, I, I love American Ninja Warrior. It's not like I'm going in there crying and going, oh, my God, it's never going to last. I'm like, I'm going to have a blast and I'm going to enjoy this, but I'm also going to enjoy saying, what's next? what you know if this show happens to go away what could i do next could i you know can i host something can i do comedy do i need to do a podcast who knows what it is but i do love that's why i love saying yes to everything whether it's little short projects or uh you know doing charity auctions for the head of nbc scripted department all these random things where you're just like i'm i'm making connections i'm showing my skills and hoping people take notice and you know, that it may not pay off now or, or a month from now, but it could be five years from now. Someone could go, you know what? That guy works hard and he's good. Let's, let's, let's give him a shot. And so I think it's that thing of handle rejection well, too, because a lot of times you don't know why people don't choose you or why something doesn't work out. And to, you know, to, to take it personally or if you get replaced on a show to just say, I understand. I appreciate the opportunity and I would love to work with you in the future. Sometimes, who was it? My God, I think it was Kevin Hart was telling this story that he was, at, he was at Upfronts and he had a sitcom. And this was right around when Soul Plane was coming. And literally, he flew the cast at himself because he's like, this isn't my show, this is my whole cast. So the whole cast is with him. And they're about to walk out on stage. And the guy goes, oh, what's that? Yeah, he's right here with me. I have to tell him, what? <laughs> okay, Kevin, you're not going out on stage. Uh, just you guys head out. And they brought some other show out. And that was how he found out his show that was being pushed was canceled. And he said, he still went to all the parties and he went to the execs and he said, you know what? I just appreciate the opportunity. And six months later, he got another show. It didn't work, but but he got another opportunity when he could have collapsed, cried and been ashamed. And it's this thing of, you know, when you don't, don't think of it as failure if you don't get cast or if your show gets canceled. You already succeeded beyond beyond 99% of people to get that. So look at it as a success and look at it as, what do I learn from this and how do I now move on and take that next step.
0: Do you ever have trouble maintaining that attitude? Like when you have this huge ad campaign and it goes, goes away. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, for for me, that's why I always like to have other balls in the air. And so, you know, I'm doing American Ninja Warrior. I'm on Hallmark's home and family. Um, I'm looking to develop something with the discovery channel. Um, I'm doing stand up comedy as much as I can. I'm doing corporate events. Uh, which pay well but aren't always a ton of fun and I'm 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 always looking to develop and make connections um because I know these things are going to come the the setbacks are going to come and it's nice when you get punched in the face to be able to turn and look and go all right I've got this I've got this other thing that I can that I can do and that's why you know I'm it's and it's not as though I'm saying dilute your efforts I think when you know when I'm with Ninja Warrior I'm there 100% I'm going to work my ass off But when I have downtime, I'm going to work on comedy. I'm going to work on the Home and Family Show, and I'm going to try to keep these other opportunities up there and show people a different skill set. Because I also know, you know, you can get pegged as one thing. An American Ninja Warrior, nobody knows I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm touring now. I'm going to be in Edmonton next week. Part of my challenge has been to educate people like, oh, the loud guy from American Ninja (laughs) Warrior. Why do we want to go see him at a club? And you got to be like, well, actually, I've been doing stand-up for 20 years. I, I think I'm funny. And so you you realize you always kind of have work educating people as to your skill set because people you know people may see you and go okay you're 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 a podcaster in the reality genre you could be an actor you're a video editor there's so many things where like how do I also have materials because it's one thing to tell them I can do this but it's showing them or for people you know if you come in and people are like hey can you do an interview show well here are, here's a hundred hours of me doing interviews. Yeah. I can do an interview. You know, it's not, it's not, I think I'm pretty good Put me in a room. It's like, look, I've done this. I've been through, I've had bad interviews. I've had good interviews. There's nothing you're going to throw at me. And that's, you know, hosting wise, I've done so many different shows from game shows to, you know, medical pilots to obviously ninja and different things scripted. I've done, uh, you know, prompter, whatever, where I feel like there's not much they can throw at me. And still I've tanked. An, I, I just tanked an audition a couple of weeks ago. I just, tanked it and it hurt it stung and i was pissed for a day and then the next day i got up and i'm like all right i wrote down the notes that i thought i learned from it the mistakes i made i'm like okay move on don't don't dwell
0: yeah how do you uh how do you maintain that perseverance like uh the the motivation that it takes to to just keep going and pushing all the time
1: i think i think some of that was kind of the work ethic that my parents gave me and i think it's also seeing it work like seeing it work that was one of the good things about going through medical school is medical school was ridiculously hard it was a lot of work and yet i got through it and i got through it because of hard work and there were times and so honestly like i look at apprentice and uh, you know as 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 comical as it may sound that was hard work that was a real challenge to do a task in a day and yet i hearken back to medical school and i'm like there's nothing they're going to throw at me that's nearly as hard as being on call for 36 hours with people's lives in your hands and so you, you kind of learn, I can work hard when I really need to and, and to learn what you're good at. And I think it's, I see it with the ninjas too. I was talking to Jesse Graf, and, you know, someone who, when she first came on the show, she couldn't get up the warped wall at, you know, 14 feet. And she's like, I just work hard. But she's like, I, I the reason I work hard is because I make it fun. I find a way to challenge myself so I enjoy doing the work because there aren't many people who have the discipline to do something they hate eight hours a day, day after day. And so I think for me, maintaining it is, is focusing more on my successes than my failures. And, and, and when you do have a failure, instead of looking at it as a failure, looking at it as, all right, what what can I learn from that? How do I avoid that mistake? And then trying to say, you know, a month later, when I'm in that similar situation, look back and go, you know what? I learned from that. And I and, and Apprentice was really kind of a, a microcosm of that, where I remember, like, early on, there were some tasks where I felt like I'm getting fired. And then in the finale, which was essentially four tasks in one in three days, which was, it, it was an absurd amount of work. I just remember having this feeling of, I've done this. It's going to get done. And it gave me this calm. And it was like such a short lesson of, what we learn in Hollywood of the more you work, the more you sometimes fail, but learn to advance from it and then have successes, the more confident you are. I've done this before. I've built my own podcasting empire. You guys have created, you know, uh, a passionate fan base around it. You're doing something right. Um, so I think it's, it's really uh, kind of being able to find the positives, but it, you know, look, I, I definitely have, days where i'm i'm furious or i feel like you know what is the point or is this is this going to be worth it what am i going to do in 5 years is this am i going to have a career and you just kind of say all right well all i know is i can keep working hard and trust ultimately th- this is what i you know when i left medicine and and people are like what are you doing you you had a sure career i'm like ultimately in life if i'm going to bet on something i want to bet on myself because that's the thing i can control the most and i know I'm confident that I'll, that I'll work hard and I believe I have skills. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'll find work. Even if it seems dark, something will happen. So it's, you know, you, you kind of have to have that belief. And I think the belief comes with knowing that you've worked hard and, and having some opportunities where you did do well. And you're like, okay, other people agree. I've, I've got at least some skills.
0: Yeah and I mean uh, again it's brought you to this place where I mean you were you were at the Emmys what was the what was the experience at the Emmys the other night
1: It was great I mean it's cool you know technically and I, I, here's what's great is we got a lot of the attention we weren't nominated as hosts so Akbar Christine and I were there cuz we're the faces of the show but the the nominees were and and I I would argue correctly I think the producers on our show who do such a good job setting this show up and And telling the stories. But it really was fun being there. I think the coolest part was having been on a show that started on G4, a network that no longer exists, a show that came from a Japanese version, Sasuke, to now be a staple of the summer and to be a twice Emmy-nominated show and to be going around and have just about everybody. They may not watch the show, but they know the show's name and generally have a favorable opinion of it. It's amazing to be a part of something where you feel like, this really has grown into something that's part of the culture. And it's an amazing feeling to to have worked so hard on so many shows and, and I didn't see it coming. You know, when I got on this show, I thought it was gonna be a neat show and, and yet it just, I think a combination of hitting at the right time and some phenomenal producing. I, I think the storytelling our guys do and figuring out how to make two hours of essentially the same thing, people running a course, feel fresh and they do a great job with that. Um. So it was amazing to be at the Emmys. And I'm, you know, I saw Jeffrey Tambor and Stanley Tucci and Gary Cole and Jane Fonda walks by and I'm like, I'm with some <laughs> entertainment icons and I'm invited here. I'm not crashing. <laughs> so it's not like I'm on their level, but you're like, you know what? You're in the room. Yeah. You're in the room. And it really is cool. I think to feel after so many years in this business to feel like, uh, you know, I can walk into any room, particularly in reality TV. Now I might not be what they're looking for, but at least I can say, you know what, I, I'm confident I could I could do a good job on your show. And and to feel good that um the the amount of work I've put in and the success I've been lucky enough to have has built uh you know a nice a nice body of work where I really am proud of what I've done. And again, I, I thought I was gonna be a stand-up or I thought I'd be like a funny actor in a comedy. I, I didn't script this this way it happened because I said yes to opportunities and then worked my ass off and stumbled into a show that I absolutely love and now it's you know bringing me back to comedy and and uh, so you know when people are people are I, I, when people are starting out I think you know have your vision have your direction but don't be afraid to say yes to something that seems completely off the wall because the th- the things you learn like for for me acting class really helped me host and it's helped my stand up and improv has been great and so sometimes things that you don't see the direct application can be remarkably helpful um so that's why I always feel like when i you know i tell people just say yes if if you can do it, you know, drive three hours, do some kids student film or go do an interview with someone who knows what you learn, who knows what connections you make. Or, For me, I listened. I, I think of all the podcasts I've listened to and, and people I've learned from or connections you've made, or then you meet someone and you're like, hey, man, hey, Barry Katz, I heard you on Jay Moore's podcast. All of a sudden you're having a conversation with them. And I just think one of the things I think is we have such an unbelievable resource for People who are starting out. Virtually any director, producer, star, any show creator. I mean, Alison Grodner, like the people who run Big Brother are on Twitter, Robin Cass, who casts it. You can whether you, you can listen to them, you can hear their thoughts, you can interact with them, you can learn from them. You can you can ask, you know, what's your advice? Do you are the accessibility to people, There are no more gatekeepers. You can talk to these people who could potentially give you jobs or, or people who are idols of yours and you can learn from them and you can do a podcast. There are, there are so many things you can be doing during the day to advance your career and learn. It's just, it's, it's an incredible time.
0: Yeah. Well, something else that you've, uh, you've dealt with and you've talked about this on, uh, some of the shows that you've been on is, uh, that you were, uh, you have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, can you tell me like what that is, like what, what the experience
1: is of having that? so it's for those who don't know it's an autoimmune disease where my body attacks itself and it tends to localize in the joints so the hands and feet are the worst affected my hands they look pretty good my feet look like sasquats they're not they're not exactly pretty um but it also causes fatigue and it causes some some generalized inflammation and you know when it initially hit me it definitely it rocked my world it really transformed my body i you know during the onset period before I was diagnosed, I ended up gaining 50 to 60 pounds. I was sleeping 10 to 12 hours a day. I was stiff. I had horrible feet and I got on treatment and I'm not, you know, I'm not the same 20 year old. I was, of course I'm much older than that. Um, but I think it also, uh, you know, made me, uh, it, it gave me a different kind of fight in that, uh, I realized I'm dealing with a chronic disease now. This is something, there's no cure. I'm on medication for the rest of my life, for the foreseeable future. Um, But it's something that also gave me a cause with the Arthritis Foundation. Um, And I see it. I think that's one of the cool things with American Ninja Warrior is seeing how... I'm open about my story because I think most people looking at me wouldn't know I have it. And I thought, I remember when I was diagnosed, I looked up rheumatoid arthritis and you only see worst case scenarios. And I wanted people who were newly diagnosed to see people who were doing well with the disease. So to realize this isn't some, you know, you're not going to necessarily be confined to a wheelchair or, or lose the use of your hands. There are great treatments out there. There's hope. And so I think you, you kind of get the opportunity to be, um, I don't know about a role model, but be someone who is like, hey, you know, I talk to kids. That was why it was great going on Apprentice and and telling my story about having rheumatoid arthritis, because I know there were I met someone on the show, uh, an editor on the show who comes up and goes, I was just diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and I've been crying all night. I've been talking to my family and friends, but I wanted to talk to someone who has it. And I was like, I mean, this is this is one of those moments where you're like, wow, how how great is it that I told my story that I could be here for this person and just kind of say, it's going to be okay. You know, there are treatments out there. You're going to be fine. Um, so it's, uh, it's, and that's, that's one of the nice things when you have a modicum of fame is being able to say, you know, if people will listen or if you get to go on, um, celebrity apprentice, you can do so. I mean, I raised nearly a million dollars for my charity, but more importantly, I, i I've, I've talked about it countless times and let people know about the arthritis foundation and the work they're doing. So, you know, it's, it's, we all American Ninja Warrior has shown me how many people you just would never know have battles. You know, Jimmy Choi, this guy who has early onset Parkinson's that most people probably don't know. And you see, so when you see someone and and you, you don't know why they're struggling, we just don't know what other people are going through. And I think that's why that kind of having that kindness, having that sympathy and going, I don't know what's going on in their shoes. But, you know, sometimes people just need a pat on the back or, or, uh, how are you doing? Or is there anything I can do? And you'd be amazed how sometimes it's just, no, you know, I'm, I'm bummed the Broncos are lost. the Broncos lost. Or sometimes it's like, yeah, I was just told I have a chronic autoimmune disease and there's no cure. And it's like, all right, well, I don't know how I can help you, but I'm here. I'm here for you. And I think one of the cool things with Ninja Warrior is seeing this community that's formed, that supports these athletes together. And that's, you know, social media often seems to be the opposite, (laughs) but I think that what's fun is even in the bitching, I still see a lot of people like in big brother or ninja warrior when they're complaining, still supporting each other. And I think basically, you know, I, I don't think that Twitter is a, is a true connection, but it's better than nothing. And I think, you know, anytime we, we really connect with people and obviously that's what our job is, is connecting with people and telling stories. Um I think you you're better for it. you're better for having connected with people and and shared your experience and learned about theirs
0: yeah. Uh, so, uh, talk to me about this, this season of, of Ninja Warrior. Um, you know, uh, well t- talk to me about it in general. Cause like, uh, you said that this is like, uh, like 17 days of shooting essentially, but
1: yeah, so we finished shooting, we finished shooting in June and last night was the finale episode and we had f- a record number of finishers on stage one, stage two, absolutely brutal. Only three people got through it. So it was Sean Bryan, the papal ninja. What a great story. This guy, who was considering being a a, a brother, a a monk, a Franciscan monk, I believe, and instead is still working with the Catholic Church. And Najee Richardson, this former gymnast, and Joe Moravsky, the meteorologist. They're the three who go on stage three, and none of them complete it. And at the end of the show, people are like, but nobody won? And I I thought it was so great because it's, again— They'd be like big brother if they all just went, you know what? Everyone got voted off. Nobody wins <laughs> yeah. this year. Sorry. <laughs> the jury decided think, uh, nobody wins. Yes, the <laughs> jury decided y'all stink. I, I think it's great in American Ninja Warrior to have this show, this reality show, where victory is not guaranteed and it's about the struggle. And I think it is, it is one of the shows that's such a good metaphor for life, the literal and metaphor obstacles these athletes overcome. And the stories the stories we get to tell are amazing. So it was it was an awesome season and you know, we look at it, I, I think the stories that pop, you know, Alyssa Beard, this fifth grade teacher, but the the, the stories people love are Kevin Bull, who has alopecia, and, and the children who have this condition who look up to him. Or, you know, Lance Pekus, whose wife is battling multiple sclerosis. Or Sarah Poulin, the one who lost her, her son. Or N- Kenny Nemetello, who whose daughter last season is in the intensive care unit. a Newborn girl Hazel with congenitive kidney failure. Prognosis is not good. Someone at home watching says, I'm going to see if I'm a match and donate a kidney. And she she matches, gives a kidney this year. That little girl's on the sidelines, expected to live a normal life because of our show, and so I thought that was such a great thing. Where you're like, it doesn't matter how he does on the course. He he saved his daughter's life coming on this show, and you thought what what a what a victory. And so I think Ninja Warrior is is a little bit for something that seems so traditional. This you know athletic type competition to have it be so different in that so much of it is about the stories and the struggle and that you don't have to hit a buzzer to win. And I think that's made it really fun for us and a little different. And that's why, you know, at a time when sports are getting more competitive and, and more cutthroat to have something where there's a community that lifts and supports each other, makes it more unique. So it's, 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 and I would love to say we had that idea, but it was the ninjas who told us this is, this is who they are. This is how supportive they are. They get better together and they support each other. And it's it's awesome to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the, I think that was really uh, what what made Sasuke successful, too. It's the, the camaraderie between the athletes. Mm-hmm. And that really translated to the American. Ver- there, were, there was one season where they did like a boot camp. Uh, that we, was tried a weird, we tried yeah. it. We tried
1: it. And no, and literally it was the end of the first day because uh, the people were from Survivor and they thought we're going to have cutthroat. And at the end, one guy was shouting out advice on on to the other guy on how to beat him on a rope climb. (laughs) And we met at the end of the day and we're like, we have this all wrong. Mm -hmm. This is not cutthroat. This is competition lifting each other up and so we, we we stuck with the boot camp and what was interesting was we actually saw it where we had an obstacle this was the floating doors the first time we had the floating doors nobody got through it for four days the fifth day david campbell figures it out within 20 minutes he taught everyone else how to do it and to me that you know he could have easily said i'm not teaching anyone so i'm going to be the one who can get through this instead he shows them all how to do it and they all got better and we're like that's a ninja warrior yeah. Uh,
0: and, and also like listening to, I mean, I've talked to some of these athletes now and uh, I've certainly listened to a lot of them on the, uh, the Wolfpack Ninja podcast. Um, And so many of them are just so inspiring in in different ways. Like, even if they don't have, uh, you know, what you would maybe consider an inspiring story, but even, you know, um, somebody like Jamie Ron, who just like listening to him talk, he's so inspiring, like his attitude on life and like his philosophy on everything. And, um, I mean, I, I talked to, to Joe Murawski and like, he is one of the most dedicated, like hardworking people, um, in in many ways reminds me of you, um, in in terms of just like he, I mean, he told me like, I, I, you know, if you want to succeed you just i can't sleep i just i need to be like constantly pushing Mm -hmm. myself um and there's just like i I, for whatever reason i think this show really attracts like just the most interesting and inspiring people
1: it does and i think i think part of that again is the fact that the community embraces them so it's that thing if you come in and you're not good you don't get shamed you don't get pushed aside you get lifted up and I think it's so welcoming to all these people and to see someone like Maggie Thorne who went through a bad divorce this year and she really leaned on the competitors in Ninja Warrior, particularly her fellow women. And she's like, they were the shoulders that got me through this. And and to see this place that, that has been something that's grown into something bigger than the show where they travel year-round, there are competitions year-round, and that it's it's a genuine family that's being built. And, you know, again it's because of them we've just kind of been the nidus around which it formed and you know we try to support them but we've been very fortunate to to stumble onto and to attract and support this really unique mindset that uh has made ninja word that i think is what people really really respond to in the show
0: does that, does that help you, like, find meaning in your work? I mean, I think a lot of people, um, you know, especially with reality TV, they consider it frivolous or meaningless. Um, but I know that even just as a podcaster, like, I find meaning in, in what I do. Is that Does that help you find meaning in what you do as Absolutely. well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, look, it's a lot easier for us knowing we're telling these stories and for Akbar and me to be able to cheer for for all of them and to feel like we want everyone to succeed and... And we can genuinely feel that way. And, you know, we don't we don't have any vested interest. It's not our million dollars. Um, I I think it is it it has been uh, 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 an amazing show to be a part of and seeing the impact it has and seeing people transform their lives or seeing young kids get active and feeling like this, you know, like my mom says, I'm proud of this show.
0: Yeah, uh, so um, I think this is a very important question. How do you not just crack up every time Akbar does an Akbarism one here? Sometimes I do. Sometimes <laughs> they have to edit
1: it out. And at the other hand, though, I love it. It's it's so much fun because he's such an enthusiastic guy, and the words come out. And sometimes I'll pause and go, "I don't know what he meant. I don't think I don't think he knows what he meant." And yet, I get it. I get the enthusiasm. So. It's uh, it's fun. I think we, you know, we've really formed this unique partnership and we just we have a good time. You know, we're doing it for eight or nine hours in a row. It is a marathon. And in Vegas, that's five days. You know, we're doing, you know, again, we're hosting. But as hosting goes, it's about as as taxing and as high energy um, as as any reality show out there. We really have to give it our all. And so. Um, it's fun to have someone out there who I think matches my enthusiasm and, and that brings his own passion to this. And, you know, again, he played at the highest level, he gets it. And we, we love, I think both of us love the moments when you see an athlete do something that, you know, they'll remember the rest of their lives. And it's not always like Michael Stanger, when he hit the buzzer and his wife was there, that was a great one. But Stephen Mal, the autistic guy who turned 21, competes in Kansas City, goes out on the second obstacle. His run was less than 90 seconds. And when he got out of the water, his parents are hugging him. He got a standing ovation. And you just felt like that was one of the greatest, most successful runs we've ever had on American Ninja Warrior. And it was one and a half obstacles. And that was when I really started to get success can come in a lot of different ways. And it also felt like how special it was to have this guy where getting through that first obstacle was great but for him it was getting on the course overcoming the difficulties through his autism of socializing and finding that through American Ninja Warrior he could make friends and change his life through this show and you just thought my god this is you know this this is great Dan's funeral is an awesome moment (laughs) but this is pretty cool too
0: well, nothing beats Dan's funeral. It was the be- best <laughs> moment. It was great. Uh, well, so I want to thank you so much for for joining me here. Um, my I've, pleasure. I've always been uh, such a huge fan. I was definitely uh, rooting for you on the Celebrity Apprentice. I
1: appreciate um,
0: that. Uh, I was I was definitely hoping that you would be uh, on Celebrity Big Brother, but uh, it's all right. You
1: know, I, I understand. Well, look at look at it this way. At least I'll be able to talk about it with you. And again, my apologies. Not I think you guys get it, but to the to the hashtag RHAP fan. Um, it's all good, guys. I love these guys. I will come on anytime they'll have me. So I appreciate it, and Taryn. I appreciate this long form interview, man. This was great. Yeah, thank
0: you. Uh, yeah, I mean it means a lot. You know, um, you're like everybody I've interviewed so far. They've been in like the R.H.A.P. community or like from Big Brother Survivor, uh, and you were very gracious
1: to be the the first person sort of outside of that bubble. So, well, uh, I became. I mean, I, I I just became a fan by following Big Brother and everybody commenting on you guys and your comments and being like, all right, I want to hear what these guys have to say. So it's, it's again, it's fun. We connected through our fandom on big brother and through Twitter. And that's one of the cool things is now we've connected in person you, you come out to the course and it's, it's, it's what's so great about. It's one of the great things about social media is that we can do this.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, there's, of course, uh, you can f- uh, subscribe to the podcast on t- uh, on iTunes, uh, the Taran Show. That's T A R A N uh, Show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armstrong uh, Matt, how can people find you?
1: Uh, at Matt Eisman M A T T I S E M A N. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm going to be in Edmonton next week at the comic strip and check out my dates. I'd, I'd love for people to come see me do comedy. Awesome.
0: Uh, yeah. So that's about all we've got for you. Uh, do you have a Do you have a hashtag that you want to uh, people who l- listened all the way through they can uh, tweet
1: at us with a hashtag? Oh God, I don't know. Hashtag? How about hashtag Apprentice Ninja? I'm trying to combine the two. <laughs> Uh B B A N W Big not about, they may not appreciate that. <laughs> see, they're already miffed at me. How about um uh Terran Ninja Warrior, TNW. All right. That's Team Ninja Warrior. That's Team Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Shoot, we've already got this. Uh you can do Terran Ninja Warrior. I think that works. Terran Ninja Warrior. That's it. Hashtag at that if you if you listen all the way through, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so
0: thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you next time. Asking questions. Terrence finding out. Terrence looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the Taylor show. So you